So, David, who taught you to love food? My grandmother. Nice. Yeah. How about you? Mine, too. Yeah? She was a recipe clipper. I think that's where I get my obsessiveness over (laughs) recipes, always seeking the better and better recipes. Mm -hmm. I got that from her. She was always looking through the Omaha World Herald. Omaha World Herald. The Omaha World Herald or the Des Moines Register (laughs) uh, for better and better recipes. Did she have like a little book? She had a little, one of those little metal... Rusted, oh, you know, those snap are so wonderful boxes. Yeah. yeah, and you know her laminate counter with the little gold glitter in it, and mm-hmm. she would be in her floral house dress and her upper arms all jiggly, and she would be stirring and cursing a recipe, or she would really like part of a recipe but not another part. Wow! But you know, she didn't just teach me how to cook; she taught me to really love food because when. She found something she liked, and that wasn't often. Mm-hmm. She's very picky. That's where I get it That's from. where you get it. Yeah, has to be. She would take a bite, and when she liked it, she would put her fork down, and she would throw her head back, mm-hmm. and she would say in her warbly German voice, Oh, that's so good. Oh, that's so sweet. And there'd be tears in her eyes, and her arms would be jiggling, and it was good. Oh, that's lovely. I'm Renee Shetler-Rossi, Editor-in-Chief of Leeds Culinaria. And I'm David Leed, its publisher. And this is Talking With My Mouthful, our brand spanking new podcast. Exactly. So don't you dare hit that fast-forward button, because today we're talking to some remarkable women. And we're starting off with Lisa Fain of Homesick Texan fame. And reader Beth Kajowski weighs in on brownies, brownies, and more brownies. And we also are going to have a chat with the woman who started it all. Mama Leet. There wouldn't be no Alamo. No cowboys in the Super Bowl. No lonesome dove, no yellow rose. If it wasn't for Texas. Renee, did you know I lived in Texas for a while? I did, but tell me more. All right. Well, I lived in Dallas, which it wasn't the most shining moment of my life. Uh, but they have some great food there, especially in Fort Worth. The, the brisket in Fort Worth was fantastic. And um, and our next guest actually is uh, from Texas. She's a Texas gal through and through. Lisa Fain is, uh, is the homesick Texan, both in blog and book. Lisa, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. So, Lisa, I've got a question for you. New Yorkers like to think that we can get anything we want in this city. In fact, my husband, E, likes to say that if he wants a shrunken head on a stick, he can get it at 2 o'clock in the morning. But I kind of probably think you can't get everything from Texas here in the city. Are there certain things that you only get in Texas? That is very true. Um, things have improved since I've moved here. Uh, barbecue is actually, there's a lot of Texas barbecue here now. Mm-hmm. But there mm-hmm. are certain things, Tex-Mex and chicken fried steak that you just cannot find at restaurants here. I mean, some places serve it, but it's always wrong. And that was kind of the impetus for me starting my blog was because I needed these foods. I missed them desperately. And so I got into my kitchen and started cooking them. 
Well, I love the fact that you said they're wrong. <laughs> so tell me, what is right chicken fried steak? Well, correct chicken fried steak is a round steak, mm-hmm. and it is pounded flat, and, and it's breaded with egg and flour that's been seasoned with just pepper and cayenne and salt, and it's fried. And it's served with white gravy. It's a very simple dish. Um, the reason why it exists is that people had gristly meat and they needed to make it palatable. And this is the way they did it. And so the things that you might see here in New York is you might see it with brown gravy. Mm. And it's not supposed to be made with brown gravy. It's a no-no. And someone might get highfalutin and make it with like ribeye, which is also wrong. Because the whole point is that it's supposed to make cheap, tough meat more palatable. Exactly. So tell us a little bit more about this brown gravy versus, I think you call it cream gravy cream in gravy. Texas. Well, cream gravy is a very simple dish. Um, it's basically milk, flour, and bacon grease or pan drippings. Mm, bacon grease. <laughs> it's really great with bacon grease. And then it's seasoned with salt and pepper. And some people have said that it's the fourth Texan food group because it's pretty It's pretty ubiquitous. <laughs> nice. I mean, you know, you can smother it over everything. Biscuits. Biscuits, rice, fried chicken, chicken fried steak. Exactly. It's really good on eggs. Um, and it's the sort of thing that when I was growing up, it was just my mom made it almost every night. And it was just, you know, at the end of the meal, after you've cooked everything in your cast iron skillet, you take out the meat or whatever, and then you put in the flour, you put in the milk, and then boom, you have gravy. And it's it's simple. It's not actually the most flavorful thing. I mean, you really have to jack it up with, like, pepper and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it's just... Very comforting, very smooth, and very good. Now, talk a little bit about your dad. This is your dad's recipe, so you must have incredible memories about him making chicken fried steak. Absolutely, and it's funny. Like, everyone in the family always, when I mention chicken fried steak, everyone in the family, both sides, oh, your dad's is the best. So, Mm. And his recipe was actually his mom's, and his mom's recipe was her mom's, and so it's, you know, and who so knows? I mean, recipe. yeah, it was a great grandmother's recipe. So, and the, the story my father likes to tell is mm-hmm. that the night before he married my mom, his last meal that my that his mother, my grandmother, made for him was chicken fried steak. <laughs> that was kind of like his final request. <laughs> his last meal. His like last meal. Dead man walking yes. or something before he gets married. But it was something that when I was growing up, he made every week, and it was just you know. And I would imagine there was a, never a recipe actually written down. This is a recipe that oh, just no. exists in his mind. and Yes, and, and also like cream gravy. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of the recipes that I've, I've, you know, written about and stuff, I mean, I'd go back to my parents or my grandparents, and I'm like, how do you do that? And, you know, it's the kind of thing they would just say, oh, a handful of this, you yes, know, and I'd have yes. to go and watch them or, like, you know, experiment with what I thought it was. So, yeah, there was no written-down recipe. I had one of the same issues with my mother with some of the Portuguese recipes. And I tried to ask her. I tried to follow her. I tried to watch her, cook with her. I finally videotaped her. That's smart. And that's how I finally got some of the secrets. That's yeah. real smart. And it also got a lot of family history, too. Yeah. See, that's I, my uncle is a videographer, and he started doing that with my grandmother. And that's the thing. I mean, you know, with her, like he started with her peach pie recipe. Mm. And, you know, and, and you do. I mean, as they're doing it, they tell stories they that... Do. And it's just precious. You can't disentangle the two. They're just intrinsically intertwined. 
Well, Lisa, thank you for stopping by. Well, thank you for having me. And I think one of the things I'm going to do, I don't know about you, Renee, but after this, I'm going to go home and I'm going to make your chicken fried steak recipe, which is, by the way, everyone on the site with its cream gravy. Thank you, Lisa. I'm definitely stopping by the store on the way home to get me some grizzly meat. (laughs) (laughs) If it wasn't for Texas, if it wasn't for Texas, if it wasn't for Texas, Lisa Fain is the author of the cookbook, The Homesick Texan, and she's currently at work on another book, which we can't wait to see. Renee, you're a big brownie fan, aren't you? Yep. Yeah, it's obvious because we have, what, 6,479,222 brownie recipes on the site. Chocolate brownies. Who doesn't love chocolate brownies? Right. Well, here's a question. Cakey or fudgy? Fudgy. You? Me too. No way. Yeah. We agree. I know. On something. <laughs> That's bizarre. Okay, here's another one then. Do you like the crispy edges on the outside or do you like the soft inside? Oh, that's easy. Crispy edges. Crispy edges. Oh, my God. That's two things. It's two for two. Whoa. This never happens. Honestly, this never happens, everybody. All right. So let's get another opinion. Every once in a while, we like to talk to real hardcore LC fans. And on the phone right now, we have Beth Kujowski, all the way from the Windy City, Chicago. Hello, Beth. Hello there. So, Beth, what about you? Cakey or fudgy? Well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm in the fudgy camp. Mm-hmm. Although the brownies that I make, they were once described to me as cake-like, yet fudgy, yet not so fudgy that they're not cake-like. So, Oh, boy, that's that's an enigma wrapped in a conundrum. Well, I like to think my brownies are, you know, all things to all people. (laughs) That's hard. They're the democratic brownies. Uh, Yes. So how do you achieve this? I I don't think it's me so much. I think it's the combination of ingredients. Cocoa or chocolate? I use cocoa powder. That's the beautiful thing about my recipe is there's mm-hmm. no need for a double boiler. You're not potentially scorching chocolate. It's very straightforward. Is it one of those old-fashioned one saucepan brownies where, like, you only have to dirty one pan and not, like, a million different bowls? Yeah, that's the great thing. You just you get out your ingredients, you melt your butter in the bowl in the microwave, and mm. everything goes into that bowl, stir it all up, toss it in the oven 30 minutes later. You're good to go. Well, there is something to be said for having many bowls and taking a lot of time to make a masterpiece. I'm sorry. Well, absolutely. I didn't mean to diminish the (laughs) wonderfulness. Prowess. Yes. Uh, Um, But now, Beth, all that aside, tell me something: frosting or no frosting? Oh, frosting. Yes. Why? Why wouldn't you? Well, because frosting's for cake, not brownies. Brownies are a flat. Cake. No, fudgy. David, you said you liked fudgy. I do, but I also like frosting. It's fudgy frosting. So, Beth, since I'm the one who loves frosting on brownies, why don't you talk us through your frosting? It's so simple, which Mm. is also the beauty of it. Simple brownies, simple frosting. You melt however many tablespoons of butter Mm -hmm. you need for your frosting. You use an equal amount of cocoa powder. You stir that until it's beautiful and and velvety and smooth, and then you just start dumping in powdered sugar and a little bit of milk until you get the sweetness you want and the consistency that you want. And I frost my brownies when they're still a little warm because then you get a nice sheen to your frosting. Renee, what is wrong with that? Everything's wrong about that. It's frosting on a brownie. 
Beth, that frosting sounds amazing, but I want it by the spoonful. I don't want it on my brownie. I'm sorry. So you want naked brownies? I want naked ass brownies. I like mine fully clothed for winter. <laughs> now, I understand, Beth, that you sent David some brownies. Yes, she did. Brown noser. <laughs> well, I, I, they're Democratic brownies. They are. They went to everyone. <laughs> did you frost the ones that you sent to David? Of course I frosted the ones I sent to David. So That's tell me your secret to shipping, because... Shipping frosted things is not the simplest thing. Well, here's the thing. I don't receive the brownies I ship, (laughs) so they may not arrive in the condition I intend them, but I've never had any complaints. I have a vision of David licking plastic wrap. Plastic wrap. I didn't, Beth. They arrived in absolute perfect condition. Well, there you go. Actually, I do have one more question for you, though. It's one of those either or nuts. Or no nuts. Oh, nuts, always. Unless you're allergic to them. Then, of course, I can make an exception. You need nuts and brownies. Something to just kind of mix up the... No, no, no. no. Nuts don't belong in brownies or cakes or cookies. No, no, no. Well, David, we were two for three. That's pretty good. Uh, We did. And Renee and I, that's unusual for us to like the same thing that often. But no, I'm sorry, Beth. I think yours actually had nuts and I ate them. Or did you eat around them? No, no. I think I ate them. Sometimes I have done that where I eat it and then like lick everything off and then take the nut out. I know. But it's, I just happen not to like, I don't like that crunch in my soft gooey ooey things. Well, I think that's terribly misguided. Well, there you go. Passing judgment, but that's perfectly fine. I'm strong enough. My skin is thick enough. So, Beth, even though we do not agree upon the nut issue, I want to thank you very much for coming on. It was a pleasure. Oh, it's my pleasure. And please keep coming back to the site. We love your comments. We love your humor. We love the fact that you love us. Oh, I will absolutely be back. Beth Gujowski is a writer, editor, singer, baker, and devoted Beats Culinaria fan. So send her some Twitter love at Beth4158. Mother's Day is coming up. I do. What are you getting your mother? Chip clips. Chip clips? Chip clips. What's chips clips? You know, the clips that you use when you open up a bag bag of chips. My mom loves potato chips. (laughs) Loves them. Chip clips. Okay. And I got her these little hand-painted ones, and they actually say, home is where mom is. Oh, that's sweet. Aw. What about you? Well, I got my mother her present a long time ago. Oh, what? Me. Oh, brother. We've got Mama Lee on the line. Mama Lee, hey, it's Renee. How are you? I'm doing well, Renee. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Hi, Ma. How you doing, David? Good, Mama. So... Uh, Mama Lee, David was just telling me that he's already got you your present for Mother's Day. Oh, really? And what's that? Are you ready for this? I'm ready. He says it's him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that sounds good. I made, Mama, I made you a mother 
52 years ago, right? And that's why, Renee, every day is Mother's Day. Exactly. Aww. See, I told every you. Every day. But uh, now, Mama Lee, what about jewelry, perfumes? Isn't there something else that you want besides David? He throws that in occasionally. <laughs> and this is why I adore my mother, because she adores me so much. That makes one of us. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, Renee. <laughs> oh, great. Okay, is anyone here on Team David? Hello? Anyone on Team oh, David? Oh, David, you know I love you some so, days. So, Mom, my Mother's Day is coming up soon. What are you going to make for Mother's Day? Are you going to cook on Mother's Day? Well, sure. Of course, well. What are you going to make? Uh, probably make a nice roast. <laughs> now, you've never had my mother's carne asada. Tell me. Tell, tell Renee about the carne asada, Ma. Oh, carne asada. First of all, Renee, you have to pronounce it. Tell me. Uh-oh, I took French, not Portuguese. Carne asada. Carne asada. Hey, that sounds good. It's not bad. That sounds good. Yeah, roast meat. It's marinated with uh, wine that uh, Papa Leet makes. Mm-hmm. And, um... Garlic. Garlic, crushed pepper. That my father uh, makes. Paprika. Mm-hmm. And um, put in charisse. That's Pep- homemade by uh, Papa Lee's sister. Of David's course. Aunt. Charisse, that's the Portuguese sauce. Yeah. Charisse. And um, brown potatoes, carrots. And I may make a little um, dish on the side of rice with oh. the same gravy that comes, very beautiful gravy that comes from the roast meat, nice and dark, rich. Gets sucked up in the rice. It's fantastic. Oh, God, I am so hungry right now, Mama Lee. Well, I'll tell you what. There's a place at the table for you, sweetheart. Oh, thank you. And the oh, recipe yeah. is in my cookbook. Mama Lee's recipe is in the cookbook. Too. I have that cookbook. So you can always ah. cook from it. Mama Lee, I may have to call you for advice, though. Is that Okay. That's perfectly fine. Well, Mama, I just wanted to wish you a very, very happy Mother's Day, and I want you to tell Daddy that I love him, too. Well, thank you, son. This is very special for us, and now God bless you and know that we love you, and uh, anyone that you love, we love. Well, there you go. Oh, happy Mother's Day, Mama Lee. Thank you so much, Renee. Take good care. Mama Lee is the mother of our fearless leader, David. Seven decades have not slowed her down nor dulled her sharp wit or her tongue. She can't be found anywhere online because she has no idea what social media is, and she's got no books. You'll probably just find her in church. something else, David. And not only that, I'm a mother, as I have written in one of my blog posts. Ladies and gentlemen, here's David Lee in his inimitable way, reading his rendition of If I Were a Mother. A little sage advice. Be careful what you say about yourself, because yesterday's jest could be tomorrow's character-defining statement. Let me explain. Nineteen years ago, the one and I were invited for a wintry weekend in Washington, Connecticut, long before we ever bought a home there. We were guests of our then-brand-spanking-new friends, Maddie and Janet. 
Now, Janet had worked with the one in real estate for a few years, but this was the second time we were in Maddie's company. How to describe Maddie? Born and raised in the Bronx, he could have walked on the set of The Sopranos, sat down alongside Sal Big Pussy, Paulie, and Silvio, and no one, not even the director, would have been the wiser. He says things like beautiful when he means beautiful. He's all diamond pinky rings and sharp suits and comb back hair. He hits the racetracks in Saratoga Springs, New York, and Baden-Baden, Germany, in equal measure, and usually wins. Bottom line, had it not been for Janet, our worlds never would have collided. Late one February night, after dinner that the one and I had cooked for them, I was complaining that I was tired of my advertising copywriting job. So what's the matter? Do something else, Maddie said, as casually as if I were grousing that the ice cream parlor was out of my favorite flavor. I paused. What do you want to do with your life, kid? And without so much as a millisecond of hesitation, out came the words, and from where I know not, I want to lie in bed in pink fluffy slippers and eat bonbons all day. Well, he paused. And then he burst out laughing. No, I'm not laughing, wheezing. See, Maddie has a high, fatally infectious hyena wheeze. Then we were all laughing. And from that night, I have never been allowed to forget my offhanded comment. So much so that I've been given boxes of bonbons over the years and even fluffy slippers. Now, mercifully, none pink and thankfully, not a marabou mule among them. So what does all this have to do with Mother's Day, you ask? A lot. I think any time Hallmark and local bakeries conspire to make a special day for you in order to make money for them, everything from birthdays to bridal showers, it's a cue to indulge. And to me, the height of indulgence is lying in bed with a box of candies, preferably toysters, watching the Today Show, Modern Family, Glee, and my new favorite, Body of Proof. Slippers are optional. And that's exactly what I do on Mother's Day. If I were a mother and I had my own brood, I'd make it clear to all who could hear my voice, pets included, that this is my day. And my day requires that all whom I've spent the past 364 days catering to suddenly turn into my flunkies. Bow down unto me, I'd bellow, and take delight as they genuflect at the foot of my bed, watching their heads slowly, stubbornly drop, revealing the Antarctica-shaped ball spot of the one and the unruly cowlicks of my progeny. I'd order up a menu the likes of which had never been seen or eaten in my bed, everything made by them and presented unto me. I'd start with a mother of a Mother's Day drink, maybe a sparkling ginger daisy. Now, if I were in a breakfasty mood, I'd call out for Sunday morning pancakes or Cafe Benedict, and maybe even both. And in the very likely event that I lolled in bed past noon, I'd place an order for Leonay's salad, making sure my little ones left nary a gossamer veil of white hanging from the poached eggs. Pea shoots and goat cheese salad could feature prominently if I were counting calories, but, I mean, who would? It's my day, and on my day, physics wouldn't deign to bore me with anything as trivial as calories, which is why risotto alla milanese would never be out of the question. Ah, uh, and then there's dessert. Nothing would be more fitting for Mother's Day than peanut butter pretzel bonbons and mocha hazelnut truffles. All I'd need is Maddie, my own personal wise guy, feeding them to me to make it all beautiful. Bravo. Bravo. Uh, Tom, that is certainly not enough. Can you help me out here? Now that, Renee, is the kind of reception I should have gotten. So anyway, tell me, what do we have coming up on the site for Mother's Day? 
We've got a lot of things, David. We've mm. got dozens and dozens of breakfast and brunch favorites, both classic and really unconventional. And a lot of them are make-ahead, so you don't have to worry about making a mess that morning for mom to clean up. What about desserts? We've got you covered. What I'm really jazzed about, actually, is our collection of cakes. Everything from fancy schmancy to really simple. Simple enough that even your kids can put them together without completely destroying the kitchen. Coconut cake? Got it. Oh, God, with all that, I really should have been a mother. I'm David Leet from Leet's Culinaria. And I'm Renee Shetler-Rossi. Thanks for listening. Catch us next time when I'm sure to be talking with my mouthful. Oh, and happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day.